This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on New York Red Bulls Radio at TuneIn, Backheel.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. Here are your hosts, Mark Fishkin and Eric Giacometti. Happy 2016, Happy New Year. It's Seeing Red, seventh season, coming to you on New York Red Bulls streaming radio station at TuneIn, Backheel.com, iTunes, Stitcher, SeeingRed.com. Mark Fishkin here with my host with the most, Eric Giacometti. How are you, Eric? Happy New Year. I'm doing well. Happy New Year, Mark. Uh, it is an exciting time for the New York Red Bulls. There's lots going on tonight on Seeing Red. We're going to get right into it. Roster uh, moves, new players, a huge passel of homegrown signings. We're going to talk to one of those homegrown signings, Brandon Allen, forward, formerly of Georgetown, Old Bridge, New Jersey, Red Bulls U18 team, who is actually a finalist for the Mac Herman Award, which is basically NCAA Soccer's Heisman Trophy. He's going up against Jordan Morris, though. But we're rooting for him, hoping he's going to bring it home. We've got a really nice interview with him. And then we're going to do something a little different in our third segment this year. Each week, out on our social media channels, uh, Facebook and Twitter, we're going to post a question of the week. And this week's question uh, generated a whole lot of discussion from you guys, the fans. Got some emails, because that's how we roll. It's Seeing Red Season 7. Here we go. Eric, how was your uh, how was your winter break? You saw a lot of soccer. I did. I was uh, lucky enough to head over to England for a few days. Uh, I caught a little bit of uh, Manchester United Chelsea, so that was a fun one at Old Trafford. I mean, fortunately ended nil nil, but still uh, seeing a Premier League game was pretty cool. So I've, I've been keeping busy. All right, man. All right. Well, le- well, the Red Bulls have certainly been keeping busy. Let's get right to the news first. This week, Ivis Galarsep, friend of the show, over at Gold dot com, reports that. Dax McCarty, the ginger ninja, the Red Bulls captain, has locked up a four-year new contract that will keep him in Harrison until he is 32. Now, this hasn't been confirmed by the club yet, hasn't been announced by the club yet, but, I mean, Dax, we can all argue, captain the team, has those Orlando ties started in the league long before Orlando had a team, but obviously, should this report come to fruition, I mean, Dax, Dax will be a lifer with at Red Bulls. Yeah, I mean, this is huge. I mean, this is one of the question marks, I think, that you know maybe started to crop up in people's minds looking at, you know, when is Dax's contract going to run out? With Orlando coming in, he had expressed interest in returning home in some way, shape, or form. And this kind of just negates all that and puts Red Bulls fans' you know, minds at ease and saying he's here for the long haul, you know, like you said, up until 32, which is you know, just about the tail end of your prime, so you're going to get still the best of Dax McCarty. So you know, having your captain, having the spine of your team uh, locked in for the long haul, it's obviously a, a, huge, a huge get for the Red Bulls. And of course, by the end of 2016, should Dax stay healthy, and we hope he does, I mean, Dax is going to leapfrog... Uh, Mike Petke, he is going to be the all-time leader in games played, minutes played for this franchise. He will be the face of the franchise and uh, a true, true icon. He he took not making it to MLS Cup final really hard. He was he was off of his Twitter, and we know Dax loves the Twitter. He was off of his Twitter for a good four or five days, and when he finally came back, he was very apologetic that the team couldn't get the job done. But nevertheless, as we said at the second town hall meeting 
uh, Ali was asked directly, what is Dax's contract situation? And they talked about uh, the option year for 2016. And we're all hoping, obviously, that Ivis's report is, in fact, the case. And then in the next day or two, maybe by the time you hear this, the team will have confirmed that uh, Dax McCarty will be a Red Bull for the next four seasons. Terrific. Also, another report yet to be confirmed by the club. Uh, Grant Wall today uh, noting that Luis Robles, goalkeeper of the year, member of the best 11 MLS this year, has in fact been called in to Jurgen Klinsmann's Camp Cupcake, the January camp that is held every year at the StubHub Center in L.A. in Carson. Um, two games for the United States at the end of the month, Iceland on January 31st, a very good Iceland team that I believe is, is going to Euro, and Canada on February 5th, both those games at StubHub. Robles had one appearance to his name uh, in the 09 Gold Cup previously, but this is really a, a wonderful recognition by all the great work and the great results that Robles has put together in the last year. Yeah, it, it's great for Robles to, to see, you know, now he's starting to get a little, bore, a little more recognition uh, on the MLS stage, and it's now transferring to the national team stage. You know, he's been so consistent for the Red Bulls. I mean, obviously, Red Bulls fans will know how good he's been for the past two or three seasons. Uh, but winning goalkeeper of the year, you know, maybe gives him a little more notoriety, picks up the attention of Klinsman, and gets him back in the national team picture. So, you know, this is a camp where a lot of fresh faces will uh, make their names known. Usually it's for the for the younger guys, but uh, Robles is not to say he's old by any stretch, but uh, he still has a chance to uh, make a name for himself, maybe break into the national team picture, give Clinton something to think about for that uh, maybe third spot behind uh, Guzan and Howard, who seem to be locked in at one and two. Well, it'll be interesting to see, obviously, a big year with Copa America coming up and also World Cup qualifying in the spring against Guatemala. I mean, it would be phenomenal for, for Luis to work his way back into the national team picture. Those are just part of the news. Of course, the big news before the holidays, after we signed off for the year, six homegrowns signed the week before Christmas. And we're gonna, I'm going to run them down for you. Of course, you can find them online, but in, in case you haven't gotten all the download, forward Brandon Allen, who is our guest tonight, Old Bridge, New Jersey, Georgetown Hoyas, 50 goals in 91 appearances all time for the Hoyas. That is an a remarkable strike rate. Unanimous All-Team First Big East in 2016, in 2015 rather, three-time All-Big East. He's a finalist, as we mentioned, for the Mac Herman Award, played for the Red Bulls U18, and he's the younger brother of NYCFC's R.J. Allen. And so that will create some very, very interesting discussions at the family dinner table, especially when it comes to derby time. And uh, so you know, when you think about kind of pro-ready guys making the leap. Brandon was a senior, uh, moved up. Another guy, Mel Corbos, Greenbrook, New Jersey, and Maryland, captain of the Terrapins his senior year. Maryland, a big, big soccer school, scored the free kick goal versus Indiana for the Big Ten title, uh, which I encourage you to find online, a wicked free kick in overtime. Two-time All-Big Ten, started his college career in Rutgers, moved to Maryland uh, to finish. He was part of both the 2015 PDL team uh, that went to the PDL National Championship game and the undefeated NPSL champion U23s. But we don't stop there, friends, because Derek Etienne, after his freshman year at Virginia, midfielder from Patterson, New Jersey, parents are from Haiti, has played uh, with the Haiti U-22 
team, uh, was the captain of the Red Bulls U18s, played on Red Bulls 2 over the summer, 17 caps as a freshman uh, for the Hoos, two goals and one on this unbelievable dribble to beat VCU, where he probably takes, I think he takes down seven players, gets around seven players to score this goal. Etienne, frankly, is when I think about this bunch of players, and we'll talk about it when we get to the end, might be the guy uh, out of this class. And I take absolutely nothing away from any of the players that we're talking about, um, and we'll talk about the strategy. A- another Georgetown Hoya, Alex Mule, forward from New York City, second leading scorer on the Hoyas this season behind Brandon Allen. Six goals on the season. His game winner clinched the Big East title for the Hoyas. Uh, USU 20s as a freshman. USU 18s and Red Bull U 18s uh, in 2013 won the National Academy Championship. Uh, for Red Bulls U18, scored 20 goals there. In 2012 was the Red Bulls U16 leading scorer, scored the winning goal in the 2012 U16 National Championship. This is a guy who has been all Red Bulls coming out after his junior year, another forward, uh, that's Alex Mule. Scott Thompson, he's a fullback, although he's listed as a forward on the team site from Brick, New Jersey, also Virginia, 56 starts for Virginia as a midfield and defender. He was hurt most of his senior year. 2014 NCAA championship, championship with Virginia. 2015 PDL team. 2014 uh, NPSL champions uh, U18s. And then lastly for this group, because I need to breathe, Chris, Chris Thorsheim, kind of a utility guy, Manalapan, New Jersey, and Bucknell, three-time All-Patriot League, um, again, 2015 PDL, 2014 NPSL champions, and Red Bulls U18. So that's a lot. That's a mouthful. Very, very talented young players that have come through the academy. This is exactly what the vision is for this club moving forward. It's growing kids in the academy, moving them up for the first team. And Eric, first, before we start, um, talk talk to us about this strategy. Talk to us about the pros for Red Bulls for bringing in, signing all these young players, and then what are possible cons that you might see? Well, some of the cons, I guess, are that it makes me feel very old when I see people born in 96 <laughs> and 97 playing first-team football. It makes me a little angry. Uh, but other than that, I mean, the the moves that the Red Bulls have made are, I mean, basically unprecedented for MLS. The amount of uh, attention they're putting into their homegrown signings, uh, getting all of this youth all at once, uh, it's pretty remarkable to see. I mean, you, they've talked, you know, all all day long about integrating from top to bottom, getting the youth involved, and they're putting it into practice now more than ever, uh, trying to get these guys into Red Bulls too and having them play the same system. So I, it's it's a huge plus. I mean, even these guys aren't asked to play first team minutes from the get-go. I don't think any of these guys will be. Uh, but just to be able to train with the first team, being able to understand what it's like to be a professional at such a young age, if they can cultivate that and day in, day out, understand what it means to play the Red Bull style, the Red Bull system, uh, it'll just make that transition to the first team that much easier when they do get the call up by Jesse Marsh. Right now, 11 of the 27 players on the Red Bulls roster are homegrown. Castaño, Laid, Matt Miazga, Thompson, Tyler Adams, who, is, of course, is joining the club as well, Corbos, Sean Davis, Etienne, Thorsheim, Allen, and Muell. I mean, that is, that's half the team. And for me, the question really is, if you're Ollie Curtis, or if you're any um, MLS sporting director, 
do you do the usual thing, which is <clears throat> go to the draft, sign a bunch of kids, hope they work out. Yes, you've got Red Bulls too now, but you sign them for first-team contracts and hope they make an impact. And you know those spots 20 to 28 on the roster, which heretofore were frankly a collection of young internationals, guys, trialists, right? Guys that just kind of come into camp and try and catch on. This sends a message to the rest of the league. From now on, those guys are our guys that we've known for years. And as you said, Eric, they might make a big deal. They might play a lot of first-team minutes. They probably are going to get a decent amount of uh, USL minutes for sure. Their goal, at least for the first year, is going to be making the bench and seeing a few minutes. I mean, you look at a guy like um, like Sean Davis, right? This is Sean Davis worked his way and got to play some meaningful minutes this year, right? I just remember the win at Portland where Dax was uh, suspended and he come, came in and played the whole game and was phenomenal. So, you know, these are guys who are young guys, but they know the system right off the bat. They know this team. They're from the area, and hopefully they're going to make a difference. Um, very, very exciting. What, what, what cons do you see with something like this? Well, it, I think the only con you might be able to see is that I, you maybe saw it a little bit last year, actually. With, it wasn't uh, through their academy system, but through the Super Draft. They got a, you know, maybe the, the coup of, of the Super Draft, which was Leo Stoltz. They thought that he was the most MLS-ready player. And he just ran into a logjam in a position where he couldn't get any minutes and he failed to really distinguish himself. And, you know, the, the, the con I can see there is that if, you know, some of these young guys, they're not getting a run of it, you know, at, at first team football, they're, they're kind of stuck behind a lot of these older guys. Maybe they, you know, don't handle it the right way or, you know, maybe that they're, you know, not adjusting properly to, you know, the college level to the pro level. It, it might be a little bit tough for them, but I, I still, I still think at the end of the day that, it can only be a positive in, in terms of the way that they're integrating it from the youth level on up. So even if they're not getting those first team minutes, the USL team is always there to get them a run of games much better than what the reserve league used to be. So I think their opportunities are out there. So when when you look at this list, and I, I know that, um, Eric, you know, you and I have been reading a lot about these guys. Uh, we're obviously not following their careers closely in NCAA. You know, for me, I'm tagging Etienne as the guy that could really uh, make a difference. Is there one on this list that for you stands out as a guy that could contribute? Remember, you know, U.S. Open Cup, yes, and CCL this year. Yeah, they're going to need some reinforcements, as you mentioned. They're going to have, uh, you know, lots of, lots of soccer to be played on multiple fronts. It seems the consensus is that Etienne is you know, going to be the difference maker out of this uh, impressive class as you just, you know, ran down the list. Uh, he's got the kind of attacking flair. He brings a little bit something different that some of those other guys don't bring. Uh, if I'm, you know, maybe being a little biased, I guess I'd go with Corbo's being a Maryland guy. Uh, I've, I've seen, I've seen a little bit of him. He wasn't, uh, playing while I was at school, but I've, I, I catch a Maryland game here or there, and he's, uh, very good on the ball, very, uh, smart midfielder, good on set pieces, can, you know, drop a dime from, you know, 30, 40 yards out. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a really, a lot of talent in this class. It's, it should be fun to watch them come up. Interesting, though, a lot of attacking talent, only one true defender, and that's Scott Thompson uh, from Brick and Virginia. And, you know, we, we haven't talked about it, but uh, Miazga uh, you know, has, has uh, reportedly turned down a number of offers from the Red Bulls to, to re-up. This is his uh, last year of his contract, and if the Red Bulls are looking to actually get some value from him and don't want to have him walk at the end of 2016, um, they're going to have to move him. 
And so, uh, you know, when, when you talk about the project that was Matt Miazga in his third year as a pro really making a difference, it makes you wonder whether someone like Thompson's going to get called in uh, maybe before everyone would like and say, kid, you know, you're our starting defender, make it go. Yeah, I mean, defense is, is going to be the, the big question mark for the Red Bulls going forward, as you mentioned. Uh, Miazga possibly going out. Uh, Perrinell's situation kind of still up in the air. They, they declined his option, but they still might be negotiating to bring him back. Uh, I mean, if you're the Red Bulls, I guess your best case scenario on the back line would be to, you know, you know you're, you either have to sell Miazga now and get the money or hold on for another year and let him walk for nothing. So maybe they can work out a deal where, you know, he gets sold now and they get loaned back to the Red Bulls so they can kind of get the best of both worlds. But it's going to be a very difficult one to navigate. Obviously, missing a player like Miazga would be a huge loss. So it, it might open up the door for, uh, for a young guy like Thompson to, to step in and maybe contribute in some way. Well, we'll see. We'll certainly see. And uh, moving on, I mean, we're going to see this Thursday exactly where and when the Red Bulls will be playing throughout the year, uh, because Thursday, the 7th, is going to be when the schedule is released. We already know two matches, the first two matches of the season. Home opener, Sunday, March 6th. I hope it'll be warmer than it was today. One thirty um, against TFC, which should be uh, a cracker uh, of an opening game. Obviously, Bradley, Josie, Giovinco, should he return, will be there. And then the next week, another Canadian club on the road, Saturday, March 12th, at Montreal in the Big O. And it always seems that the league schedules New York at Montreal before the spring. It's always freezing, and the teams always have to play in Olympic Stadium early in the season, which is uh, dreadful, dreadful. It's not Yankee Stadium dreadful, but folks, it's pretty dreadful. So those are your first two matches. We'll learn it all uh, this Thursday, the 7th. Of course, if the alternating pattern holds, and I'm talking just for Western Conference clubs, Red Bulls will host in 2016 Dallas, Houston, Portland, Seattle, and Sporting Kansas City, and they will travel to Colorado, July 4th maybe, the Galaxy, RSL, San Jose to Avaya Stadium for the first time, and the Vancouver Whitecaps. I, I'm guessing there'll probably be two visits to Yankee Stadium, which you could look at that as a negative to have to go to the Bronx twice. I'm choosing to look at it positively that that's one less uh, road trip that the club will have to make out of the market. They can stay in their own beds that, that, that night before, which is great. So just curious, before we see it, and of course, um, once this, the, the schedule's out, we'll dig into it. Eric, any thoughts before we, uh, before anything you want to see on the schedule in particular? I mean, obviously, I think just given the way it unfolded last year, I think the games uh, between the Red Bulls and NYCFC are going to be some of the most fun to watch, given how vibrant and, and packed they were. Uh, I think two games at Yankee Stadium might not, you know, as you said, it, it works out in their favor in the sense that it's an away game that almost feels like a home game, considering there'll be, you know, no real travel and they'll they'll be, you know, just down the road. Uh, but you know, it, it should be fun either way. Again, I think they'll be going to DC twice this year since uh, DC came to New York twice last year. So a uh, bunch of good rivalries on the slate. So can't wait to see how the schedule comes out. For sure. Of course, you know, there are, there are always, I believe, two teams that the, the Red Bulls will only play twice, and those, I guess, are going to kind of rotate around the East, although I don't think they'd do that for NYC, clearly. But um, nevertheless, we'll find out Thursday. Last point of news before we go to our uh, interview with Brandon Allen, Super Draft 2016 is the 14th. The Red Bulls have three picks. 
And you have to wonder, given that right now, New York has 27 of its 28 uh, man roster filled with all those homegrown signings, you kind of have to wonder if Ali is even going to be there. I mean, there there is frankly almost nothing that New York is looking for um, in the draft. They pick 18th. They they pick 38th. I don't think they have a third round pick, and they pick 78th. So, um, frankly, you know the kind of talent that you're going to find deep down at, at least at 18. Um, you just kind of have to wonder, frankly, <laughs> did the Red Bulls even go to the draft this year? Well, I, I mean the the fact that they had this huge haul of homegrown players, it, it really takes almost all the pressure off of them in terms of the super draft. It was never, uh, you know, they had some gems here or there. I, I believe you know getting Tim Ream was a was a, a big one for him. Uh, Josie Altidore obviously back in the day, but you know the the super draft is always kind of up in the air. As I mentioned, Leo Stoltz you know didn't really pan out, but uh, with this the homegrowns being in the system, they're not really going to have to find a, a gem that's going to need to contribute or you know kind of bring along quickly. They'll have the the luxury of having guys that have been in the Red Bull system that you know that know all about the team. So. The, the super draft will just be gravy. Maybe they can leverage uh, a pick or two to be traded for allocation money or what have you. So I, I don't think you're going to be finding anything too special with where the Red Bulls sit in the super draft. No, that's the 14th uh, in Baltimore this year, and uh, that is always takes place during the National Soccer Coaches Association of America conference. And if you're a soccer nut and if you really want to see one of the few. Uh, frankly, spectacles of MLS. It, uh, as someone that's been to the draft numerous times, and I'm unsure whether I'm going to get there this year, it is a fun day. It is fun to see. Um, obviously, you're going to have DC fans there. You're going to have Philly fans there. Red Bull fans will be there. Uh, Orlando fans made an, uh, a trip last year and were very loud and very proud for their first ever draft. And uh, there should be some NYC guys there, so you can... Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Uh, that's the news. There's a lot going on in the first episode of Seeing Red. Next, we're going to just take a short break, and then we'll speak to one of those homegrown signings, and that's forward Brandon Allen. We'll be right back. You're listening to Seeing Red. Seeing Red, New York Soccer Roundup, New York Red Bulls Radio, Backfield.com, Stitcher, iTunes, Anywhere you get your podcast, it's 2016, the first seeing red of 2016, and as you know, the Red Bulls in the offseason right before the holidays had a ton, a huge homegrown signing uh, group join the team, and we're very, very fortunate and pleased to be able to bring you tonight on the first show of 2016, Brandon Allen, who is a member of that team. Brandon, a three-year All-Big East team member from Georgetown. He's from Old Bridge, New Jersey. 50 goals in 91 appearances for the Hoyas. And uh, Brandon came to the team, signed his pro contract on December 21st, but he's been in and around uh, the Red Bulls Academy and organization for some time. Brandon, welcome to Seeing Red. Thank you very much. I'm excited to get started. And we are certainly excited to speak with you. So let's talk about, first of all, signing day. It's, it's the 21st. You're at Red Bull Arena. We know you're there with Derek. We know you're there with your family. And Ali, talk about the emotions that you went through uh, on signing your first pro contract. Um, for me, it was, it was very exciting. Um, I've waited my whole life for that, for that moment. Um, you know, it was great to have my family with me, support me the whole time. 
And, uh, you know, just having that support as, throughout my whole career from them meant a lot to me. And, uh, you know, my Georgetown career meant a lot to me, too. And uh, the coaching staff was amazing there. And uh, I'm going to miss the memories there as well. But it was an awesome... Uh, I, I was excited to sign the contract, and I waited for a while. Like I said, it was, I waited a long time for that, and I'm happy to get started for the Red Bull. Can you just uh, talk to us a little bit about your, your time at Georgetown? There was a, you know, your, your homegrown label, there was a little bit of a notion that you might be trying to move away from that. Can you just talk to us about that for a little bit? So the thing that happened with that is uh, I got called in to the national team my freshman year, freshman uh, spring, and... So I got called in, and I missed a semester of school. So I ended up having to make up a bunch of classes in the summer, which unfortunately didn't let me train with the Red Bulls because I was busy taking classes at Georgetown because that's where they they required me to take the classes. Um, so that was the situation there. Um, that's the main reason why it was hard for me to train home. And, um, yeah, that was, that was basically the main reason. And so, Brandon, talk to us a little bit about what your your goals are for year one as a pro. What have Ollie and Jesse told you about what to expect in terms of incorporating yourself into the, into the team and the organization? Um, you know, first of all, I just want to come. I want to come and fit the preseason. I want to make you know an impact in my first year. Obviously, you know every rookie does. But uh, yeah, I think that's important to me. If I come out, show that I can. You know, get what I did in college. I think that's going to be important. Um, so I think the first impression is always important. And then from there on out, I'm just going to do what I do best. And hopefully I impress them as much as I can. You, you scored uh, 50 goals in 91 games at Georgetown, which is obviously an incredible strike rate. Talk to us a little bit about the parts of the game that you feel taking the next step up to being a pro you need to improve on. Something that I can improve on, probably like my opposite foot, but that's, you know, every player needs to improve on that. And uh, maybe, like, uh, 50-50 balls, you know, I think those are the most important right now for me. Um, everything else, I, I think uh, that pressure has been pretty good, and I think that's going to be important going to, you know, with playing with the Red Bulls because they're a pressing, they're a pressing team, and I think that's why they're starting to bring up these younger guys in the homegrown system because these older guys don't have the legs to run. And... <laughs> No, it's true. I just they're getting old and it's hard on the legs. So I think it's important that we, they are bringing up these homegrown guys. I think they are going to make an impact because these guys have a shot as much as anybody else. Uh, Brandon, in in terms of the, the homegrown class, it looks like you guys are the the biggest homegrown class in in the history of MLS. Uh, you know, what do you need to see for yourself in your first year that you need to do to establish yourself as a group, as part of this big group of uh, young players? To be honest with you, I'm going to do what I did in college. I'm going to do the best I can to, to make an impact, scoring goals, and setting people up. Be the best, try to be the best uh, forward pressing, do whatever I can to help the team win. I think that's the most important. You need players that help want to help the team win, not just individuals. Brandon, a lot of pro soccer fans in America that maybe don't pay as much attention to the to the college game tend to diss the the NCAA for the rules and the schedule and the clock counts down and not up. Can you talk a little bit about how playing at Georgetown has prepared you? You mentioned a little bit at the top in terms of making the jump to the pro game. Playing for Georgetown was, it, it, I think it was a big impact for me because. 
some other schools didn't play good soccer like us uh, to me. And, um, you know, my senior class was, uh, I think, was outstanding in our four years. And I think that that helped me become a better soccer player. And, um, you know, my class really didn't, I can impress. And um, I think that helped my, my career and helped me, helped me get noticed, honestly. Because, you know, having their support and, it was it was really it was really helpful. So, um, my class was was outstanding, and I think we we were something special. Well, now there's another member of your class, and that's Alex Mule, right? Who's joined the team with you? No, he was, which is, he's a junior. He's a junior, right? So he's, he's coming out early, but yeah, nevertheless, he early. right? So, but nevertheless, a part of the team. Why don't you uh, it, just take a minute and let uh, Red Bulls fans, and we'll hopefully get a chance to talk to Alex. What did you see out of Alex that convinced you that he was going to be um, a good uh, a, a good team member as well? Talk to talk to us about the strengths of Alex's game, if you just could, for a minute. I think he's a he's a good he's a good presser as well. Um, I don't I don't think necessarily he'll be a striker on MLS, but he should probably be a winger. But I think he he was a, a big impact to to Georgetown, and um, he, he's another guy that. You know, pushes players to be the best that they can be, and he was a good setup guy. He's an underneath guy for us, and I think he uh, he really did well for us as well. He was an important player for us throughout his three years at Georgetown, and uh, I think he'll be missed there, and he'll probably have a great career at Red Bull, and from there. Brandon, talk to us a little bit about your, your upbringing. I know you're a local guy from Old Bridge, New Jersey. What was it like growing up you know, with soccer? It's such a big focal point, obviously, uh, your brother being in the league as well. You know, I think it's going to be important, um, especially like, I don't know, playing with my brother. I mean, playing like against my brother is going to be an amazing feeling. I think it's awesome for my parents, you know, since they, you know, they raised us, they were bringing us to practice every day. You know, it's a commitment that they did for us and and I'm happy that we were able to like um, make it as a pro, and to have two pros in, in the family is amazing. And I can't wait to, for the opportunity to play against them because it's going to be amazing to have my family and friends watch the game. We've waited their whole life probably just to see us play because they know they had a feeling it would happen. <laughs> Talk to us about uh, what RJ told you about his season in NYC. Obviously, um, for Red Bulls fans, the notion of playing this team that's playing in a baseball stadium in the Bronx is, uh, you know, I, I think a, a little out of sorts for what the league is trying to do. Obviously, the Red Bulls won all three matches against NYC last year. What, what can you tell us about what RJ uh, went through during his first season as a pro? Uh, with, with New York, rather. Um, well, I can tell you, before he even signed, you know, he was struggling. He was about to hang up his boots. But, you know, I, I thought he, his first season was wasn't he, he impressed everybody, I think. And nobody thought he would be the player he was. And he turns out he, was, he, he played well. He got two players of the week. He improved as the season went on. And he caught some eyes in, in, uh, in New York FC. And everybody was impressed. Brandon, what's going to happen during that first derby match? I mean, are your parents going to be wearing one red shirt and one blue shirt? How's this going to go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they were talking about getting like a split shirt, like sewing them together. Yeesh. Half, half, and half. 
We don't really know what to do, but that'll be awesome to see. So, Brandon, before we let you go, just talk to us about what the next couple of weeks are going to be for you. I imagine you're heading down to Florida, um, you know, after the draft for the combine. Talk to us about what you're looking forward to doing in your first training camp in MLS. Of course. Um, obviously, right now I'm staying as fit as I can because uh, Jesse Jesse's mentioning how you know being fit is like one of the most important things right now because they're a pressing team. I'm looking forward to like this week. I'm starting to train with them with the New York Red Bulls uh, at the facility, doing some conditioning with the strength coach, and uh, I think that's going to be important leading to preseason. Just getting to know you know everybody at the facility. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think the like I said, the first preseason is going to be important for me because it's going to be an impression, and I'm going to do the best I can to you know, impress Jesse and the rest of the staff. Now, you have uh, a date on Friday in St. Louis, do you not? Because you're one of the finalists yeah. for the Matt yeah, Herman Award. To, uh, with- yeah, I'm going to uh, it on Thursday, um, and it starts on Friday night. So that should, be, that should be very interesting, and we'll see what happens. Now, now it's you and obviously uh, another striker that we know about, uh, Jordan Morris, who looks like he's joining the league in Seattle, and then Fabian Herbers. Do you do you know those guys? Have you uh, played head to head against them previously? What, what do you What do you feel going into that, uh, um, that kind of awards ceremony? You know, um, I think they're both great players, and uh, well, I think it, I, honestly, I think it can go to anybody that's trophy. Each one of us deserves it, and I think Fabian has one of the greatest seasons you know I've seen as a college soccer player. Um, Jordan Morris, he he's been in and out of the national first team, so I think that that helps him a ton, and he won the won the tournament, so that's that's a plus for him. And then as for me, it's just for me, I was very consistent with my one of my four years at Georgetown, so I think uh, really that'll help me, but. You know, it should be interesting. We'll see what happens. I'm excited to see to see the results. Well, I'll tell you that all of the Red Bulls fans are very much going to be rooting for you to bring home uh, the the Mac Herman Trophy as basically so- Soccer Player of the Year. Brandon Allen, we want to thank you so much for joining us tonight on Seeing Red. Good luck on Friday. Good luck with your first training camp, and and we'll see you at the stadium starting in March. Thank you. Thank you both very much. You're welcome. We've got more Seeing Red coming right up after this short break. You're listening to Seeing Red. Back at Seeing Red, New York Soccer Roundup, radio network, back heel iTunes, Stitcher, SeeingRedNY.com. If, if you're a member of Brandon Allen's family, and this is the first time that you're listening to Seeing Red, know that we do this every week. This is our 241st show ever. And uh, I would imagine for show 250, we're going to have something spectacular. But nevertheless, uh, our third segment is always about you. This time, this year in 2016, our seventh season, we're going to do something a little bit different. Look for us on Facebook and Twitter if you haven't uh, followed us on Seeing Red NY on the Twitter, or you can just search uh, Seeing Red on Facebook. You can find us there. We do have a page. Please follow us. We will put out on Monday of that week a fan question, and our question this week, especially after our fantastic holiday party in December, where I had a number of non-supporter fans ask me this question. What can be done to get more fans outside the South Ward to sing or chant or get loud? Now, we know 
that there are lots of Red Bulls fans in this in the supporter section that do a great job bringing the atmosphere, making it go. We also know there are fans outside the supporter section that have absolutely no interest in singing or chanting during the game. But we also know that there are people that have been in the stadium now for six seasons and have no idea what the Red Bulls supporters groups are saying. Literally, they cannot make it out. So what do we do? Let's turn to our fans on Facebook and Twitter. Ainsley Binzer, friends of the show, says, put the lyrics on the zipper as the songs are being sung. That's certainly one. A- Adam Herman says, get the, South Ward on- get the South Ward on the same page. That would be a good start. Now, that is, uh, that's shots fired in January, but we all know that there are times where the Red Bull South Awards sing in unison and times that maybe they don't. Here's Six Pointless. Rob G. on the Twitter says, Have the supporters groups engage the fans outside the venue. Create a oneness with the crowd that hopefully follow the Capo's lead. Just spitballing. So, you know, again, and if you're a casual fan, I, I can't imagine that you want to spend your time watching the Capos in the South Ward, especially if you... Um, especially if you can't hear it, make out exactly what's happening. Here is um, season, Southward season ticket holders are getting older, says Victor Kim, migrating to other sections. Southward should grow outside the three designated sections, which I think is very interesting. The lyrics are too hard to decipher, says Victor Kim, away from the Southward. New non-hardcore fans can pick up melodies, rhythm, but not the lyrics. So what can be done? Uh, here's Sylvania Cymbeline on Twitter that says, are they published on a website? When I was there for the last game, people asked me because they wanted to sing along, which I guess really kind of uh, encapsulates the issue. And yes, if you, uh, if you know or even if you don't, both the Empire Supporters Group and the Viking Army do have websites, and they do have their chants posted on their website. So you can certainly go figure it out. Eric G. Prez says, A bouncing ball sing-along on the ribbon boards. Okay. Here's Mario Romilio of Section 201 represents, saying, I got it. Give away Red Bulls t-shirts with the lyrics of songs on the back so fans sitting behind them can read them. He then says, hashtag, I'll let myself out. I don't know if that's the worst uh, idea ever. Um, let's see. Billy Williamson says, grow the South Ward, make it a non-issue. South Ward leads some simpler chants more frequently. I don't think making it a non-issue, even if you're sitting in the north end of the stadium, you might, you might want to sing, but all good. Uh, here's Jeremiah, who says, use the occasional halftime to have a crowd chant along and teach some of the common songs and chants. That's kind of cool. Juan Mesa says, a Red Bulls chants app. People are checking their phones all the time. Really interesting. You could use Shazam. You could Shazam the song that's being sung in the South Ward, and the lyrics pop up on your phone. Eric, I, I've been leaving you out of this as I've been reading these responses. Any thoughts? I, I mean, I think this is a really tough one to you know, necessarily find a solution to, because as you alluded to, I mean, the South Ward, you know, as as boisterous as they are and can create such an atmosphere, they are a pretty small section of the collective, you know, 25,000 Red Bull Arena. And I think the the issue you run into is, you know, do the other, you know, say 20,000 in attendance actually even want to sing and participate? I, I think you can see it spilling over into the adjacent sections at times. Uh, they'll be joining in. Uh, but I, know I can attest to it when I first started going to Red Bulls games back at Giant Stadium. I had no idea what they were chanting. Couldn't, you know, as people were saying, decipher what, you know, what they were chanting and what they were singing. 
Uh, so it, it's it's not easy because you know some people just won't want to get involved. The people that do maybe won't know how. Uh, I, I think that that app one is actually a really interesting suggestion. Uh, you know, to try to get people familiarized if they do want to. But I think honestly, the best way if uh, a fan is looking to get involved is just go sit in the South Ward one day and and just uh, you know familiarize yourself, and then maybe bring that to a different section and try to you know attack it section by section, and maybe uh, maybe it'll grow that way kind of organically. I will throw uh, that out. I think that's a great point. Um, there are fans that never, ever, ever have any desire to go there because there is a perception, albeit frankly, maybe a little misguided, that everyone in the South Ward is a drunken lout, which is not the case at all. But yet, when you see guys jumping around, the, the perception, I think, for the uh, uninitiated, right? Uh, and, and there are plenty of casual season ticket holders that are fervent followers of this team that just have no interest in going over there. So I... I Completely respect it, and as a member of ESC and VA, you know I get it. It's totally cool, and and for you know fandom takes many forms. I'd just be kind of curious for a casual fan to say, "Oh, I'm going to go in the supporter section today just to see how it is." Um, let's keep rolling through some of these responses. Uh, a club anthem might help. They certainly don't mind chatting familiar tunes like Let's Go Red Bulls, although, obviously, that's Christopher Adele, uh, Ronald Gringo on the Twitter. That is the chant in particular that the supporters groups do to get the other fans involved. Maybe there are more different chants that they can do to get them involved. Um, an atmosphere that, of inclusion, says Anthony Merced, many times supporters groups feel detached from casual fans. I think that's what we're trying to kind of solve here. Uh, Jason Halpin says the Timbers Army hands out cards with words to 10-ish common songs. This would help. I'm in section 106, and I can't always make out the words. Uh, okay. Good point, good point. Um, here's Jazz NYRB says the South Ward should do a pregame chanting right outside the stadium before entering it. Jazz, you may know that uh, the, the, the supporters groups oftentimes do march over the bridge uh, from Newark doing their chants. South Ward ambassadors, perhaps. It's possible. Distributing lyrics aren't a bad idea. Plant South Ward members throughout the stadium to encourage other sections. For me, that, that, that creates an interesting challenge because I think you've always got fans that, uh, like you said, Eric, there's some fans that want to get into it and other fans that don't. All those in the South Ward obviously are there because they want to be a part of it. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know how putting South Ward people in between the, the, the stair, you know, the, um, the walkways to get people jacked up who may or may not want to participate, that might lead to some awkward interactions, would you say? Yeah, no, I, I tend to think that might be a bit misguided. Just, I mean, I'm, I'm putting myself in the shoes of someone who's, you know, let's say you, you have a, a young family, you know, a couple of young kids, and, you know, you don't want some, some guy just jumping up and down, yelling at you to sing. Yes. It's like, dude, I'm just trying to watch the game, you know? So it, it, right. it could be... I understand that you want to kind of create an atmosphere, but even you know when I was I was at Old Trafford watching United versus Chelsea, uh, there was a huge pocket of, uh, of Chelsea supporters on on the far end from where I was sitting uh, that was chanting pretty much all game long. Uh, I was behind the one goal, uh, which I guess essentially would be the equivalent of the of the South Ward, but it wasn't anything like the South, South Ward in terms of everyone standing and singing. It was just casual fans, uh, you know, getting into chants every now and then, trying to you know you know go back and forth with the Chelsea fans. But it just goes to show that even in, in big places like that with some of the biggest names in European football uh, you, you have the casual fan that just wants to you know have a few beers and watch the game so you're never going to get you know every single person you know into it and chanting and all that 
here's just to, to close up this uh, debate. I, I really enjoyed the interaction between the fans really debating this. Uh, here's Thierry Henry Knott who still, I guess, is rattling around South, uh, yeah, Red Bull Arena, who says, I feel strongly about this. The South Ward can lead simple, responsive chants. The west side of the stadium says RB. The east side says NY. Repeat, easy, which, you know, uh, that certainly is a way to do it. We know the Seattle Sounders do that, right? Seattle Sounders back and forth. Uh, here's uh, Adiamas, who says... Open Red Bulls, uh, open Red Bull Arena on non-game days. Invite people to try the Southward experience. Sa- stand in Southward and let supporters group teach the songs. Wow! Have the players there. Interesting. I think that would be interesting. Um, there are some that suggest simply move your seats to the South Ward, which again is not exactly what I think everyone's going to do. Uh, here's uh, Mark, not me, who says you can't orchestrate this. It's got to happen naturally. If the games had some better, me- greater meaning, you'd have a better response. Perhaps a pro rel advocate? I don't know. Uh, Bill Reese says, what can be done to improve fan involvement in Red Bull Arena? Let's try showing up on a regular basis first. Ouch. Adiamas adds, I'd settle for showing up on time. Bringing the heat it's, in the new year, huh? It's saucy. All right, we're going to close this up with, with comments from our Facebook page. Matt Rasmussen says, the first step is to get all three supporters groups to sing the same song at the same time. That's not a dig at anyone, just my observation, who likes to sit near them in 231. And yes, there are times where they sing and t- together and times where they don't. A guide to the lyrics, says David Riley, and timing of songs, a great idea. Definitely send out with season ticket packages. I'd also suggest handing out a version of it at the gate. Kind of like everyone who hasn't been to church all year gets at Christmas Eve Mass. Blasphemy. I haven't been for a while. Um, here is Peter Knox who says sad to say but probably requires use of the Jumbotron and ad screens and stadium sound it's an education thing people don't know the words or when to sing them yes Peter that's what we're talking about um, finally Julian Bysouth a longtime fan in the UK member of the ISC says historically the only ends behind the goal sing throughout the match here in the UK fans at sides add noise and atmosphere but as the play determines but chant songs and such as just for the loons behind the goal. All right. Lots of good takes. Some hot takes. Some very hot takes. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we, we're going to close with just one email, and we did have a number of fan emails, but given the length of this question of the week, if you have questions of the week, by the way, that you'd like to hear um, us talk about or throw out to the entire Red Bulls, organi- uh, you know, Red Bulls community through Seeing Red, we'd be more than happy to do so. We're going to try to do this each week this year. Uh, here's an email, a bit of a novel, excuse Brit Bird. Hey, Mark and Eric, first off, rest in peace, full Voltron. The full Voltron is dead. Long live the full Voltron. Second Second off, boy, has this show gone downhill since Dickinson left. Back in my day, I'll tell you. Now that that's out of the way, did you guys see the story what the Jets, Knicks, and Met fans have to teach about fandom in New York Magazine? I can't be the only one who's screaming, and the Red Bulls too, as I read it. Even though we're not mentioned, you can insert us in the article and it still works perfectly. I went ahead and did so. The Red Bulls have been national jokes for so long, not just because they're bad, usually bad, but because they're bad in New York. We spent a decade mocking the Red Bulls, and they've spent that decade running in circles because they have thought that's what we wanted them to do. But all we wanted was not to be embarrassed. It's astounding how much it feels like progress and amazing and how fun that is to follow. 
I think the article should be mandatory reading for Red Bulls fans going to next season, especially the newly reconverted on Amnesty Day. Trademark. That's Amnesty Day is the day, I guess, that blue fans can turn back into red fans because we're winning things and they're not. It also strikes both at the reason I've come to love this club and the reason I believe we will flourish while some others run in circles because that's what a New York team does. The article even goes on to make a case that the myth of the 90s Yankees was never built on capitalist muscle but a solid young core. Sound familiar? Last year, an email mentioned a hopeful parallel to the 95 Yankees. Turns out we were 20 years late and a borough off. Like the Mets, we had a fantastic season that got us further than we ever expected, yet still feels like a bitter defeat in November. Dare I say, I think our future and past are similar to the Mets, both awkwardly linked to ghosts of sporting brands past, both in somehow less fashionable boroughs, We have been excessively mocked because we were disappointing in New York. We might be similarly praised for being great in New York. The complex of being New York seems at the very least irrelevant. Dispensing with it all together could be key. Cheers, Brett. P.S. I'm doing a horrible job trying to keep my emails short. Yes, that's true. Um, You know, we closed at the end of the season last year noting in the Red Bull Arena era, the team has finished first in the East three times, twice won the Supporters' Shield, and now twice come one goal short of reaching MLS Cup. I know they haven't won the big uh, game at the end of the season, but that's still a pretty good pedigree. I don't believe that this team is, the, frankly, the 99 or 09 teams. I think those are uh, long gone. I think this is a successful club here. Yeah, I mean, I, I know plenty of people that had only started following the team in the Red Bull Arena era, and if you, as you just mentioned, if you look at just those results, I mean, the Red Bulls are one of the most successful teams at MLS in that span. Uh, it, you know, obviously not winning MLS Cup yet or... Uh, or the U.S. Open Cup, but two supporter shields in that time, uh, consistently in the playoffs every year since 2010. Uh, they've they've been you know one of the constants in MLS in terms of setting the standard for uh, you know for, for getting the job done in the regular season and doing enough to get into the playoffs, which is you know you know the the, the goal to get to MLS Cup. So they've been doing their job. But uh, his his point about being New York, I I, I guess. Uh, there's, you take the positives with the negatives in terms of you know having that spotlight on you. Yes, it's it's always better to win in New York, but it's always a lot worse to lose in New York. I, I think it's a little bit different when you're comparing MLS to say you know the Yankees or the Knicks or the Giants and Jets. You know what all those bigger teams, uh, the, the media uh, scrutiny and all of those things surrounding it might be a lot more so on on those teams as opposed to the Red Bulls. Uh, but all in all, I think if you look at the way that this team has performed recently, they've been one of the more successful teams in New York, especially with this drought that most New York teams have been on recently. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, thank you, Britt, for the email. We really appreciate it. As we get closer to the season, our goal is to have Red Bulls prizes to give our best email of the week, so you can certainly look for those. It's been uh, a, a chock-full first seeing red of the year we will certainly be back we can't promise exactly when we're going to be back we are not going to be back every week before the season i will tell you that uh with some certainty with a schedule coming out with a draft coming out you might look for us maybe late next week or maybe the week after uh we hope you enjoyed our chat with brandon allen we enjoyed speaking with him uh we'd like to thank you so much for listening uh eric it's you and me bud here we go 2016 you're all about it let's do this man All right. Very Giacometti. I'm Mark Fishkin saying thank you so much for listening to this episode of Seeing Red. We'll speak to you soon, guys. Stay warm. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to Seeing Red. Since 2010, your New York Red Bulls podcast. Find us at New York Red Bulls Radio at TuneIn, Backheel.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and SeeingRedNY.com. Wow, 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 w